All right, good afternoon, everyone. Today we are streaming the sermon to all three of our remote locations New Philly, Seaside, and Busan, New Philly, Taiwan, and New Philly, Sydney. So, welcome. Let's welcome all of our New Philly remote campuses. Come on, Hillside, show some love. Welcome. Today is also a, I want to give a re- welcome to all of our college students that are visiting our church for the first time today. It's a little crowded today, uh, but you know, just uh, bear with us. That will be alleviated soon. Uh, but we want to welcome you if this is your first time today. Uh, we hope that you were blessed through the time of worship. Uh, we, got, we, got, uh, we, got, we got one of our old college students in the house, Big John, trying to hide from you right there. Yo, we're going to have to play Madden this week, all right? I got to get my revenge, all right. Anyway, I'm sorry about that. Uh, to all the college students that are visiting today, you just want to say welcome. Uh, we're really glad that you're here. And during your time here in Korea, don't be surprised if God does an amazing work in your life and starts to activate your faith in ways that you never imagined. It's a way in which God does that for people here in Korea, uh, even at all the English ministries here in the city of Seoul. Uh, God really moves powerfully. You just give them four months, five months, whether you're an exchange student or you're a four-year student, just give them a few months and God will radically transform your life. With that said, today is a little bit of a tough Sunday if it's your first time. We're going to be going over some family business, but don't worry, you know. I'll make the message relevant as much as possible to every one of you and to all of our uh, church plants that are watching today. Uh, I want to take care of family business first. Uh, New Philly Hillside here has had a wonderful history. Our church here has been like a sending base for the army of God to go out onto the missions field to serve with indigenous pastors and churches in many Asian countries all over, you know, Indonesia, Malaysia, Burma, uh, Myanmar, uh, you know, all these different countries where we get to do mission trips. It's also been a sending base for our church plants, uh, where we've done three church plants already, and there are wonderful covenant communities that are being built up at these remote locations. Uh, and we've had a wonderful history, but in a few weeks, we're going to start making a new history. Because your crazy lead pastor, <laughs> along uh, with, with Pastor Aaron, we, this is a decision we made together. Uh, we are going to do a planned church split. I know you hear a lot about church splits, especially in Korean American churches these days. And in Korean churches in Korea. There's a lot of splitting going on. But here at New Philly, we're going to do a split of a different kind. It's going to be a blessing. It's not going to result in a lot of disillusionment and heartbreak and people walking away from the Lord. It's going to result in the house of God being filled to a, uh, to a new degree. Being the, the Lord moving in fresh and new ways. And so, we are going to split this congregation one-third and two-third. And the two-thirds are going to continue to worship here at one, around 1 p.m. We'll tell you when the new service time is. And then the one-third of the congregation will be worshiping later here at 4 p.m. 
the first congregation. And by the way, my philosophy of ministry is I am, I am not uh, into managing church services. So I'm not a big fan of going multi-service, which is something we're only doing temporarily here. Uh, I'm not about managing services. I like to build up covenant communities. Churches where you got to commit. You know, there are certain churches that have a 10 a.m. service, 11 a.m. service, 12 p.m. service, 1 p.m. service. You know, a lot of Korean churches are, are, are like that. That's like kind of the, um, the old school model was multi-service. But today, a lot of younger uh, leaders, uh, they have the multi-site model. And so they go to these frontier locations and they do church plants. And that's more of my heart. And so I'm not a big fan of managing services, which means that I'm challenging each and every one of you to commit to one community and there will be no bouncing back and forth. If you are not a member with our church, you are free to choose whichever service you want. But once you are settled down, you are going to have to commit and be in it for the long run. Because if you just bounce back and forth between services, there's no way for a community to be built. You know? You might be like, hey, Sam, congratulations on getting married. Oh, oh yeah, what's your name? Oh, my name is Fred. All right, Fred, I hope to see you next week. And Fred doesn't show up for three weeks. And on the fourth week, hey, 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 congratulations on your wedding. Yeah, 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 that was like two months ago. Fred, what happened? I was looking for you, but you weren't around. Oh, I was going to the 1 p.m. service. You were at the 4 p.m. service. Oh, okay, I guess I'll see you next week. No, next week I'm going to go back to the uh, 1 p.m. service while you go to the 4 p.m. service. And if I feel like it, I'll be back maybe in two weeks. You know, and, uh, you know, if, if you grew up in churches that did that, that's fine. But here in New Philly, we're doing something a little bit different. <laughs> what? what, what why, are people, why are people laughing again? Did I pronounce something wrong? <clears throat> All the newcomers, all right. I pronounce everything correctly. Just, <laughs> just so if you, you have a different pronunciation, you're going to have to get with mine. Anyway, um, so we're going to split the congregation. And uh, we're going to have two new names. So New Philly Hillside will no longer exist. All right. Stay with me here, right? But the spirit of New Philly Hillside will continue to live on. But it will live on in two congregations. And so we're going to get rid of the word hillside altogether. All right. And we're going to name our first service, which is going to eventually transplant out of this facility to a different facility in Hongdae. It's a different area of Seoul here near uh, Yonsei University. And so the first service, we're going to call it New Philly Hongdae. All right? It's not a service. It's a community. That community is going to be called New Philly Hongdae. And then the second service is going to be called New Philly Shilim. <laughs> All right? Just embrace it. Just embrace it. New Philly Shilim. All right? Just feel me on that. And from now on, in fact, we're going to have a standardized naming system. So uh, to our New Philly Seaside community, uh, I want to let you know that we're going to no longer call you New Philly Seaside. We're going to call you New Philly Pusan. Okay? 
And so what we're going to do is we need to, you know, we didn't think about this because we had no plan to do multi-site church plants, you know, in the very beginning when I took over. And so it was just, you know, whatever we want, you know. Uh, but as we continue to grow, you know, the naming scheme has to make sense, especially for somebody from like South Africa or from France who is visiting our church, you know. And they look on our website and, you know, there's no naming scheme seaside you know where's seaside in russia seaside of uh uh in indonesia you know it could be seaside of anywhere right and so if we do a church plant in a city and that's the only church plant we have in that city we're going to call that church plant by the city name all right so new philly sydney uh in the future new philly melbourne right uh we're going to go by the city name and then if the church plant in that city we decide to go multi-site in that city then we will go by the neighborhood name, all right? And so Seoul has already done that. And so we will be New Philly Seoul Hongdae, New Philly Seoul Shilim. And for short, you can just call it New Philly Shilim. All right, everybody with me? That's the new naming system. So New Philly Busan. All right, y'all can still use Seaside amongst yourselves. But on the public website and when you do your services, please uh, begin to refer to yourselves as New Philly Busan. All right? Seaside, I, I'm going to give you a moment right now, just, just to grieve. <laughs> All right, now get over it, New Philly, New Philly Pusan. You're good to go. Of course, in all of this, right, New Philly Itaewon, you know, our, you know, our little gang sign church plant, <laughs> they get to continue to keep their gang pride, you know? Anyway, uh... Our commitment is also to be a blessing to the neighborhoods where we church plant, all right? And so that general neighborhood and area, we want to be a blessing. We don't want to be a commuter church. You know, I used to go to church in New Jersey, you know, and, and the Jersey church that I went to was located in Bloomfield, New Jersey. And here's the secret. Not a single member of the 3,000-member Korean church lived in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Not like maybe like one or two people. And Bloomfield is a fairly like... Um, more poor, uh, middle-class kind of neighborhood. It's where they taped the uh, Pepsi challenge. You know, the, uh, you know, the one where the, uh, the basketball player pretends he's a harabaji, he's a, he's a grandpa, and he goes, and anyway, that was sh- sh- shot in Bloomfield. Anyway, uh, yeah, it was a commuter church. So everybody will commute to church on Sunday, take up all the parking spots of the neighborhood. And so the neighbors were constantly complaining. We weren't known as a blessing we were known as the church that took up all the parking spots on Sunday. And so, uh, you know, we want to approach things differently because we have a heart for the city and a commitment for the city. And we want to be a blessing to the city. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, and so we're actually doing a church split, Hongdae and Shilin. Uh, but Hongdae will not be going anywhere for now. We'll, in the interim, temporarily, we're going to go multi-service. Now, why are we implementing multi-service so soon? Why is there such an urgency? And there's two reasons. One is the space constraints here. We notice that it's quite tight on Sundays. Uh, and two is community group assignments. We don't want to disturb the community group in the middle of our sewing season, which starts in September. And so we want to make this move now. And then uh, assign our community groups according to the campuses in which you're committed to. Who will be the campus pastor of New Philly Shilim? Okay, New Philly Hongdae, uh, Aaron and myself will continue to uh, lead and it will be the sending campus. 
All right, you guys excited that we are leading New Philly Hongdae? All right, okay, all right. Yeah, that, I'm sorry, that's not necessary. New, who is the campus pastor of New Philly Shilim? All right, so if you listen carefully. All right. Uh, now, I do want to say that the campus pastor of New Philly Shilim, uh, it's not a long-term commitment. All right, and so we are going to seek to raise up a more permanent campus pastor in the future. So if you're interested in that job, you know, (laughs) be sure to let us know. This person will be serving uh, in the meantime. Uh, It will be Pastor John Michael and Sky Becker. All right? All right. Okay, all right. Uh, New Philly Itaewon. New Philly, Taiwan, I know that you guys have an incredible uh, love and intimacy with the Beckers, uh, pastors John Michael and Sky, and they have uh, done incredible work to build up your community at Taiwan. Uh, but I want to uh, challenge you at this time uh, to let them go. Uh, and let them go enjoy that God has something good for the Taiwan community. And that God also is going to turn all things for good for the Beckers. All right? Uh, so I want to challenge the New Philly Taiwan community. If you guys need a moment to grieve, here, here you go. All right. No, no. I, 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 know, I know it's uh, emotional and stuff. So maybe some of you are crying right now. Um, but, you know, we will uh, be in prayer. And I encourage you, you know, uh, meet up with pastors John Michael and Sky if you're close to them and, you know, uh, say your goodbyes. But, you know, in one sense, you don't really have to say goodbye because they're not going to, you know, Czechoslovakia. You know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're going to just be across the river, less than a 30-minute commute. Okay? And you will get an opportunity if you're on leadership with our church and you come out to our joint prayer meeting. You'll get to see them at joint prayer, our Friday fires. Our, um, our leadership meetings. And so in one sense, it's a goodbye, but it's not a uh, very big goodbye uh, because they're going to be right across the river. Also, going along with uh, Pastor John Michael and Sky to help uh, provide uh, strong leadership to the community as the community is going to be starting off with an attendance of maybe like 60 to 80. So we're going to be starting from where I started when I took over uh, this ministry as JSCM back in 2008. We're going to be back to like 60 and 80 uh, to provide some strong leadership. Uh, pastors John and Anita Newfeld are going to be serving at New Philly Shilin with the Beckers. All right. All right. <clears throat> All right. I apologize to everybody. All right, that we're taking Olivia away from you, baby Olivia. I'm sure that as she grows up, she will absolutely not remember you. (laughs) But it's okay, all right, because you go have your own babies, all right? Your babies can play with their babies and stuff. Uh, After the service, um, right now, actually, our active leaders, those are leaders who serve in discipleship, uh, and, and serve community group, uh, their community group leaders, they are actually, uh, they already know their campus assignment. And so that was assigned. So, 
Uh, active leaders had an opportunity to give their preference, um, but we completely uh, disregarded it. <clears throat> and we uh, prayerfully assigned them to the campus where we felt like they would fit the best and where, where we felt like it would be a good um, mix of uh, personality uh, traits and personality mixes as, as well as spiritual leadership and needs. Uh, for the rest of you who are on uh, reserve leaders, church members, uh, your name is on these lists that are around the room. So after the service, all right, not when you go to the bathroom, okay, <laughs> after the service, we will lift the uh, front cover and you will be able to check for your name. There will be five locations. You can go all over the room, check where your name is. For the most part, we have honored your preferences, so if you say, I want to go to New Philly Shilim, we gave you what you want. You want to go to New Philly Hongdae, we gave you what you want. I think there was only about three people that we did not give you what you want. <laughs> all right, but make the most of it, all right? And so you'll be able to check out your campus assignment after the service. Let me, let me talk to you about my message today. Today I want to talk to you about first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. First fruits. First fruits was a Jewish feast that was held in the early springtime at the beginning of grain harvest. You know, winter passes, spring comes, there's a harvest. And it was observed on uh, the Jewish calendar, Nisan 16. You know, I didn't know the Japanese car maker took their car name out of the Bible but, uh, or out of the Jewish feast. But anyway, uh, it was observed on Nisan 16, which was the third day after Passover, and the second day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And first fruits were, was a time of thanksgiving for all of God's provision. Now, in Leviticus 23, God institutes the first fruits offering as a command. And the people are required to bring a sheaf of grain to the priest. And the priest will take the sheaf and he'll wave it before the Lord. Okay, And then the Israelites were also required... To bring an unblemished lamb as a burnt offering, flour for the grain offering, and wine for the drink offering. Because, you know, the Lord, you know, he likes a little wine now and then. Oh, that's messing some of y'all. I'm, I'm kidding, okay? I'm totally kidding. Anyway, they, they were required to bring some wine, okay? Now, uh, none of the harvest from the springtime was to be touched or eaten until the first fruits offering was first brought before the Lord. Uh, in Exodus 23, this first fruits are also mentioned where God says, the best of the first fruits of your ground, you shall bring into the house of the Lord, your God. Now, the key passage I want us to look at today is Nehemiah chapter 10. Why don't you turn to Nehemiah chapter 10? And for our remote church plants. Look up Nehemiah chapter 10. I'm going to read in the ESV. And read from verse 35 to the end of the chapter, verse 39. 35 to 39. Nehemiah chapter 10. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. Right after 1st and 2nd Chronicles and Ezra. There's Nehemiah. Now the context of Nehemiah is, Nehemiah was a, an exile, a Jewish exile. You know, God punished the Jewish people for idolatry. And they were exiled and scattered all over the known world. 
by a foreign people. And Ezra and Nehemiah, they return to rebuild the temple of the Lord and then eventually to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Okay, that's the context. This is like way after King David. All right, and so the Jewish people, they get exiled. Now, you know, you might, you might think, oh, well, it's before the Psalms, but, you know, you have to understand the Old Testament is not in chronological order. All right, we don't actually know exactly what order, what logic they use when, when ordering it, but, you know, the different uh, versions of the Hebrew Bible can actually list the books of the Bible differently. Uh, Nehemiah, the context is, these are exiled people. They get the favor of God from these pagan kings. And the pagan king says, here's some money. Here's some favor. Here's some protection. You go back and you rebuild your city. I don't know why I'm giving you all this money to do it, but I'm doing it. So you better hurry up before I change my mind. And so Nehemiah leads the delegation back to Jerusalem. All right. Read from verse 35. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Also to bring to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle as it is written in the law. And the firstborn of our herds and of our flocks. And to bring the first of our dough and our contributions. The fruit of every tree, the wine and the oil to the priests, to the chambers of the house of our God. And to bring to the Levites the tithes from our ground. For it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all our towns where we labor. And the priests, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithes. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe to the tithes of the house of our God to the chambers of the storehouse. For the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain, wine, and oil to the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary are. As well as the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers. We will not neglect the house of our God. Everybody say, we will not neglect the house of God. Okay, you have to understand the context. There are things that Nehemiah is saying and doing here that is not necessarily applicable to him. But because of the context in which he is in, because they are an exiled people returning to rebuild the temple, rebuild the city of Jerusalem, uh, Nehemiah is out of his zeal to rebuild. He uh, institutes all of these commitments for the Israelites to take on. Now, The principle here that I want to point out is that as they were building the house of God, the Israelite people were committed to bring the first fruits of all that they made to the house of God. Meaning that they were bringing these first fruits to rebuild something that had been destroyed. To rebuild the glory of God in this temple that was kind of a symbol for God's dwelling on the earth. And this thing was uh, not a small project. Uh, There were a lot of opposition that the Israelites faced. Um, uh, Despite this opposition, you know, the Israelites continued to rebuild. They found encouragement in each other. They came together and united and they continued to rebuild the house of God. Now, first fruits were used to rebuild the house of God. 
And I believe that today, when God is moving on the earth, first fruits are also necessary to build up the house of God. And so I want to talk to you today about first fruits because something that our young generation in our 20s and 30s and 40s right now, we are completely unfamiliar with where our parents are actually, they've already been taught this stuff. But because of our secret sensitive kind of ministries, these things are never touched upon. The first fruits offering. How many of you in here, you have heard about this and you have participated in a first fruits offering? Raise your hand. You've participated in a first fruits offering. All right. Put your hands down. Okay. The vast majority of us, we don't know what this really means. What does it mean to bring the first fruits offering? Okay. When the Old Testament, when you got the harvest, because back then it wasn't about trading um, cars and uh, furniture and dealing and exporting, importing different goods. It was about bringing in the harvest and that was your material wealth. It was an agricultural economy for the most part that people lived in. You know, it wasn't until much later where civilization started to use trade and commerce to build up their economy. It's a very agricultural economy. And so the harvest represents the equivalent of today's paycheck. Because when you do all your labor at your job, at the end of the month, what do you get? They bring you a basket of peaches. Hey, here you go. Here's your pay for the month. You know? No, they give you a paycheck. Because that paycheck represents the harvest for you. That is how you make your living. Because that paycheck, you go to Emart, you can get all the peaches you want. Emart is a uh, supermarket here in Korea. For all those in Australia that may not know what an Emart is, it's your equivalent of a um, Woolworths. Wool- Woolworths. <laughs> Woolworths. Thank you, Susanna. And Sasha's sister here helping me with the Australian pronunciation. Woolworths uh, is the equivalent of maybe an Emart. Today, I want to challenge you, New Philly, to consider giving to God your first fruits offering. I know in the past I've challenged you guys to give an, uh, an offering for some kind of need. Give an offering for the financial restoration fund. Give an offering for the tsunami that hit, you know, this country and that country. You know, give uh, an offering for our guest speaker. Give an offering for, you know, whatever cause. You know, we've done these offerings before. But never have I challenged you to a first fruits offering. You know, before any command of God was given regarding the first fruits offering... You have the first example of the first fruits offering in the book of Genesis between Cain and Abel, Adam's first two born son, two, first two sons. Uh, before any command was given, Abel brought the first fruits of his livestock, the Bible says, and it pleased the Lord. It moved the heart of God, and God found, gave, uh, showed favor toward Abel's offering where he did not for Cain's. And some people make the mistake of going, well, you know, poor Cain. You know, he brought like grains and um, agricultural goods. 
But Cain, he had livestock. He brought steak. And that aroma was much more pleasing to the Lord than cooking up some veggies. You know, and so, you know, some people get that mistaken. But it had nothing to do with the actual content of their offering. It was how that offering was brought. When Cain brought the offering, it was an afterthought. He just brought whatever was left over. Oh, it's time to give an offering to the Lord. Let me just, let me just grab whatever's around and bring it before God. But for Abel, he brought the best, the first fruits of his livestock. And this, it pleased the Lord and it blessed his heart. After this account in Genesis, you know, you have the people of Israel come out of Egypt. God institutes these laws regarding the feasts, regarding first fruits. Uh, And in the New Testament, we are no longer given any kind of command that these Old Testament commands still apply to us. But before you think, oh, first fruits offering, that means nothing to me as a Christian. I want you to consider the Cain and Abel story. Because Abel gave the first fruits offering before any law was given. He did it out of his own free will. Which is the very thing that blesses the heart of God. For the New Testament says, what? God loves a cheerful giver. When you don't do it out of compulsion or because out of a command, but you do it willingly and joyfully. And not only do you do it, but you bring the best when you do it. Just as Abel's first fruits offering moved the heart of God, we too can move the heart of God today. By giving in a way where we bring the best of all that we've received. You know, today I'm going to talk about our church's building fund. We're going to start a church building fund. And I'll give you the details of it uh, later in this message. I mentioned it on my August 3rd message for the first time. And, uh, oh, by the way, four weeks ago, I said that uh, I would uh, put up the uh, building fund project on our website four weeks ago. But I apologize. All right. I was traveling in America. Uh, Our staff were also traveling. It was very busy, so I didn't get to put it up. All right. So my apologies. If you really, really wanted to give and you couldn't give, I'm sorry about that. But you can still give. Okay. Now, I'm going to challenge you today. To consider giving a first fruits offering, but I want to kind of build upon the uh, biblical theology of first fruits offerings. You know, I can point out here in the Old Testament, Abel brought a first fruits offering and placed the heart of God. Uh, then the Israelites were commanded to give the first fruits offering because their hearts were so hardened by sin, they wouldn't do it any, any, anywhere else unless God commanded it. And then I can tell you, hey, let's be like Abel. And let's give a first fruits offering. Let's move the heart and bless the heart of God today. But that would not be a very powerful message because that is omitting a huge aspect of the theology of the first fruits offering. You see, today, when I challenge you for this building fund, and by the way, if you're a college student, it's your first Sunday, all right? Don't worry, I don't want, we don't want all your money. Okay, you don't even have that much money. So chill out, all right? If you don't want to give nothing, that's fine. Okay, um... Just be at peace. (laughs) If I challenge you today, you can choose to withhold your first fruits offering. You won't be sinning against God. 
And many have done this throughout history. But in talking about the first fruits, I want you to consider this. Although we may choose to withhold our first fruits, remember that God has not withheld his. You know, the gospel tells us that God gave his one and only son first fruits. You know, the word first fruits can also be interchangeably used for firstborn. God gave his only first fruits, his best, his only son to rescue us from the wrath that we had incurred because of our sin. And not only does he redeem us from sin, but 1 Corinthians 15, 20 tells us that through the resurrection, Christ has become the first fruits of many more who will share in this resurrection. Jesus is the first fruits of God. Amen. And Romans 8, 29 tells us that he is the first fruits, the firstborn of many more who will bear his likeness. Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That he, that Jesus might be the firstborn, the first fruits among many brothers. All right, so check this. Let me summarize it for, for those uh, who are looking at me with a little bit of bewilderment. Jesus is the son of God. Through faith in Jesus, we become sons of God. And since we are both sons, what does that make Jesus? He's our brother. All right, come on now. And Romans 8.29 is simply saying... That Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers who will be conformed to his likeness. Amen? Amen. That is the gospel right there. Hallelujah. He, He predestined us to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That Jesus may be the firstborn among many brothers. God not only gives us his first fruits in the form of his son. But Romans 8.23 tells us. That God gives us his first fruits in the form of his spirit. Let me read Romans 8.23 for you. We ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption as sons. The redemption of our bodies. Not only has God given us the first fruits of his son. God has given us the first fruits of his spirit. God gives us his spirit to live inside of us. This is an amazing thing. God not only gives us his best, his first fruits in his son and in his spirit. But the Bible also tells us he makes us his first fruits. So James chapter 1 verse 18. Of God's own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Say, I'm a first fruit. In Romans 16, 5, the Apostle Paul borrows this figurative theology, this figurative language, and he refers to a brother named Eponetus. Eponetus, he was the first Asian convert. I don't know if he's like Asian, like Asian. <laughs> but, you know, 
whatever Asian meant back there or, or to that province, but he refers to Epinetus, Epinetus as his first fruits. Romans 16.5. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first, in the NIV says, first convert to Christ. But in the original Greek, it actually says, who is the first fruits in the province of Asia. Apostle Paul says the same thing about his church plant in Thessalonica. First, Second Thessalonians 2.13. God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. You are God's first fruits. And as the pastor of this church, many of you, you are my first fruits. Okay, you might be like, oh, that's blasphemous. No, it's not. Because the Apostle Paul just did that, okay? <laughs> all right. Oh, you're not Apostle Paul. Okay, all right. That's beside the point. I know I'm not Apostle Paul. Calm down. We're just using figurative language here, all right? In many ways, the church in Itaewon, you are my first fruits. Because you were the first ones to go. New Philly, Busan, formerly known as Seaside. You are also my first fruits. Why? Because Aaron and I sent you, you were our first church plant outside the city of Seoul. New Philly, Sydney, you are our first fruits. Because you are the first church plant we have done internationally. Here's the thing. You are not the end result. Your community and what you're carrying right now is not the end result. You are actually the first fruits of many more that will come. Many more who will be made into the likeness of Christ through the ministry of this church. You are our first fruits. And just like the Israelites, they would set apart the first fruits of grain onto the Lord. So we as believers, we become God's first fruits set apart for his glory. Amen. Amen. So God has given us his first fruits, his very best, giving us his son, sending his son to die and rise and then he sent his spirit to live inside of us to empower us god has not withheld his first fruits has he and through faith in jesus and being indwelt by the spirit we now become the first fruits of many more who will be set apart for jesus and this is the theology of the, of the first fruits i just kind of push through it like an ox right now i don't know if i if my wife was to deliver this message, it might have been very eloquent, very uh, packaged well. But look, I'm just giving it to y'all. All right. This is a theology. All right, you got it now, right? Jesus is the first. He's the firstborn among many brothers. He's the first fruits. Everything you see about first fruits in the Old Testament. Every time you look at first fruits, that word, you should think about Jesus because he is the true first fruits that allows you now to become his first fruits. Now, but in all of this, there's a response of faith. You know, the Old Testament first fruit offering was an occasion for Thanksgiving. And today I want to set up an occasion of Thanksgiving for all of our new Philly churches. If you are thankful for all that the Lord has done in your life and has given you through our church ministry and through this house. Then today I want you to consider as we talk about this building fund, consider today an occasion of Thanksgiving Where you can honor the Lord 
with the first fruits of your offering. The first fruits of all that the Lord has provided. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Not just with your wealth, but with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You know, Pastor Joel Kim, he uh, gave a message a couple months ago at our Friday fire. And he talked about how God just really pours out provision and blessing upon him. But that's only as a result of him living a life of generosity. As he learns to give and be and, and sow generously onto others, he is able to continue to reap generously for himself. This is the same uh, spirit by which Proverbs three it says, "Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your produce." Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. So I mentioned in my August third message four weeks ago that God is doing a new thing here at New Philly. It's an exciting time for our church. The Lord promises in Haggai 2.9 that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. So what we've seen thus far is nothing compared to what we are about to see. Because the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. Everybody say the best is yet to come. And in my August 3rd message, I, I challenge you to prayerfully consider making a pledge toward this building fund that I talked about. So let me summarize what the building fund is all about. I'm calling it the 2020 fund, and the goal of this fund is to raise 7.5 million U.S. dollars by February 1st, 2018, so that we can construct and open a facility by the year 2020, all right? And that's because in Korea, construction is fast, all right? Just give them about two years, they'll be able to finish that thing, but you got to have the money, okay? And so that is the goal of this 2020 fund. This facility will serve as the epicenter for New Philly to continue to raise up an army of mighty warriors in the nations. It will be pivotal in building up the movement of renewal, prayer, creativity, church planning, and reunification that we are currently engaging in. I believe that it's going to play a key role in reunification with North Korea. This building will also host our church offices, our training school, our house of prayer, Emmaus offices, and other ministry offices that if we like them, we will let them, you know, have some rent or rent-free or low-rent office space. Anyway, that's if we like them, all right? Now, I talked about how if, and it's a big if, if we receive a humongous donation and fulfill our goal before the four years are up, February 1st, 2018, if you get this huge donation, you will be able to publicly see it on our fundraising site. And then you can cease giving from that day forth. Okay, but make sure the money's in. All right, we'll tell you if the money's in. If the money's in, all right, hey, if all the money comes in in three months, right? And you, know, you, you don't have to, you know, we're done. Okay, we're not going to be like, oh, we need more money. Okay. You'll be able to tell it will be on our public support raising site. It's support at support.newphilly.cc. It's our support site. Uh, but do keep in mind that 7.5 million goal may be adjusted as we continue to research actual costs for property and renovations. Now, today I want to make a personal challenge. 
for those of you in this room who have been blessed by New Philly and those who are watching right now by video stream who have been blessed by our ministry, I hope that you feel thankful. You know, the pastors and members of this church, we sow and we give our best. We give our first fruits in terms of our time and labor, money and prayers to sow into your lives. And we do it freely, expecting nothing back for our reward is with God. As our pastors and leaders of this church have sown into you generously, freely and faithfully, I hope you feel thankful. Despite this, If you don't want to give toward our building fund, because you're leaving soon. I'm leaving soon. (laughs) I'm leaving Sydney in six months. I'm leaving Busan in three months. I'm leaving soon. Here's a bit of advice that I got from Pastor Sam Song of Solomon's Porch in Hong Kong. Don't come back once the building is finished. Seriously. Yeah, you just receive, 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 take, take, take. And I challenge you to give and you don't even give a single dime. All right. You're not welcome when you come back. All right. We will, we will remember you. I know we probably won't, but hey, we're going to try. Anyway, I mean, that's, that's, that's called freeloading. You guys know freeloaders in your life? They're like leeches. They just, they just take, take, take. Never know how to give. Never know how to serve. You may be one of them. But today, there's an anointing to break that freeloading spirit off your life. Anyway, if you're leaving soon, I can understand you don't want to give. Well, you know, I'll give when I go back to New Jersey, all right? Okay, well, all right, fine. But, you know, just don't come back, all right? Uh, Those who are staying, if you're a member and you plan to stay in our New Philly community... You know, you've received so much. You've received transformation, inner healing. You've also received a beautiful wife. (laughs) That you otherwise may have never met if you were not at New Philly. (laughs) You know, you received so much from this ministry. Sorry, I, that was, I don't know what came over me. Just. And you plan to stay, but you don't want to give sacrificially. I want to ask yourself one thing. I want you to ask yourself one thing. Why are you here? Now, seriously, as I make this challenge and I give you this occasion of Thanksgiving to give sacrificially, for some of you to give a first fruits offering, If I'm giving you this occasion, but you don't want to move a single finger. Why are you here? If you can't give sacrificially, then you probably don't really believe all the prophecies and promises that have been spoken over us. And you probably don't really believe in our vision and culture and where our church is headed. I'm I'm being really serious here. And if that's really the case. Perhaps you should find a church where you can go all in. All right, I, I, have, I have no fear that, you know, you, if you want to go find a church where you can go all in, now I rejoice for you. 
But don't make excuses that, you know, like, well, you know, my new feelings are not it. Well, if it's not it, go find a place where you can go all in. Because if this, this ain't it, then it's why are you here? I want to find a wife to, like, like Sam you. All right, all right. You want a wife? Okay. Well, she didn't like you back, so it's over now. You can move on. Why are you here? No, 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 seriously. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can't go all in. That means there's a fundamental issue. Like you don't really believe what God is doing in this house. All the prophecies that you hear, hear from guest speakers, different you know, apostolic leaders that come through here and they speak out things. You just, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, praise God. You don't really believe it. Because where your heart is, there you, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you really, really want to go check out other ministries, please do so. Please, you, I bless you to do so. If you, if you want to just talk to one of our pastors, let us know that's what you're doing, and then go do that. Spend a month, visit other ministries, okay? And if you find a ministry that you can go all in with, then let us know. We'll bless you. We'll pray for you. We'll do a little, we'll do a little send-off party. But stop making excuses, you know, if that's the real issue. Now, you know, consider this. Every single one of you, you benefited from the sacrificial giving of someone who's gone before you. All you have to do is look in this room or look in the room that you're in, except for New Philly, Sydney, and for New Philly, Itaewon. Uh, no one really gave to build up those buildings. Anyway, um, but consider all the church buildings you have been in growing up. And this building that you are now in with air conditioning and projectors. And, and just look around. Uh, these buildings were only erected because of sacrificial giving. Not necessarily from just millionaires, but from middle, lower income people who probably made a lot less than you are making right now. 30 years ago, 20 years ago. People gave sacrificially to construct every single worship sanctuary you've ever been in. And here's the thing. None of you, for those who attend here at Hillside, none of you have paid a single dollar to erect this building here. But yet you freely enjoy it week after week after week. You know, at New Philly... We don't want to babysit children of God who just take, take, take. We want to disciple mature sons who know how to step up and give. So today, I'm challenging all of you who, is, who are able. Stop freeloading and start paying it forward. Whether you enjoy the facilities that are built through this, indirectly or directly, because maybe you're at a remote location, you're like, I'll probably never step into this building. Well, indirectly, you will be plenty blessed through the ministries that are going to continue to flow out of this church. Directly or indirectly, or, or maybe this 2020 building fund doesn't do so well, and it turns into 2080 fund. And you're 100 years old. Oh, oh I dreamt of this day. And, you know, and they're doing the... The ribbon cutting ceremony. And you're like, oh, I dreamt of this day. I can't wait to go in. And then you drop dead. 
You don't even get to go in. If that happened, would you look back and go, oh, what a waste? No, because, you know, your 55-year-old children would be like, oh, daddy, you died, but the building fund, thank you. <laughs> thank you for this building that you sacrificed so much from 2020 to 2030 to 2040 to 2080. Hallelujah. Papa, you are a man of faith. Okay. You know, for some of you in here today, God will use this occasion to actually test your heart. You know, he, he wants to entrust to you greater financial stewardship. But he will be looking whether you want to give generously at this time or not. If you give generously, the Bible says you will reap. You sow generously, you will reap generously. But you give sparingly, you will reap sparingly. You know, so for some people in here, proportionally, they can only give sparingly. Because they don't make that much money. But if you're in this room... And you have that ability and you do not exercise it. You may have already disqualified yourself for the greater stewardship that God was going to entrust to you. You know, God does those things like that. For other of you and others of you in here, money is an idol. It is your God. It is the thing that you serve. The very thing that you adjust your life around. Every decision you make is around money. Every decision you make regarding jobs and College and family revolves around this evasive goal of financial stability. Because money is ultimately your idol. You trust money to provide more for you than God. You you trust money more to provide stability. You You trust in your 401k more than you trust in Jesus. You know, by the way, let me give you a little, little, uh, little advice very quickly. When I was living in New York City, we had what was called the dot-com boom. You know? When I was graduating college in 2001, I mean, all my classmates, they were, like, talking to venture capitalists and getting, like, millions of dollars of investment to do these startups. And I remember I was talking to this guy at the uh, Center for Entrepreneurial Studies at NYU. And there was this other dude that I was working with, and he had the idea for Facebook. He already had it before Mark Zuckerberg even touched it. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's a great idea. We should build that kind of database. I bet PHP can support that structure uh, and everything. And then he's like, no, no, PHP can't do it. Anyway, PHP is a web development language that Mark Zuckerberg, you know, it's a free language. Mark Zuckerberg ended up using PHP to build Facebook. <laughs> anyway, at that time, there was all this like financial boom. But let me tell you something. A few months later, September 11th happened, and the, and the markets crashed. People, a bunch of my classmates got laid off from their nice and lucrative jobs. A lot of startups, they went flat. Fast forward to 2008, the year I got married, the housing bubble in America burst, threatened to cause another Great Depression. And for all my friends and all the people that I know that trusted in their 401k, that was managed by Enron. <laughs> they lost all their money. You can't trust in money to be your provider. Only Jesus can do it through the financial up and downs that will happen in this world. And for some of you, one way that you can cast down your idol is through worship by extravagant giving. So, 
we're going to proceed and I'm going to give you instructions. Now, this is not an emotional affair. This is to be done out of thoughtful, prayerful decision making. Now, before I give you instructions on how you can participate in this building fund, I want to uh, avoid any shadiness and keep clear transparency regarding the use of these funds. The promise of 2020 fund is this. All funds will go toward only the three following costs. Number one, land and property acquisition uh, costs, including taxes and legal costs and fees. Two is construction and renovation. Okay. And then three, and, and by the way, construction and renovation can include furniture, all right? Okay, all right, good. Okay, uh, and three is key money, it's just a down payment toward an interim office and sanctuary space in Hongdae until the building is complete. So we will not use it for rent for our interim space. We will only use it for key money because all that money gets given back so we can use it for the building fund. Those are the only three uses, all right? Land and property acquisition, construction, renovation costs, which includes furniture, and key money toward an interim space. That's my commitment to you guys so that you, I can keep it, we can keep it honest. I will not use it for a family vacation, all right? Okay, I will not use it for Rona's um, uh, hair <laughs> hair salon visits. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome, Rona. You're welcome. I don't know why you're saying thanks to me. <laughs> uh, and I want you to keep in mind that when you give toward this building, you're not giving toward a building. You're giving toward a movement. Because what this building is going to function as is going to enable our church ministries to continue to serve in the movements that we're a part of. Whether that movement is equipping local church pastors all over America or all over Philippines or Indonesia. You know, you're not giving toward a building. You'll be giving toward a movement. And when you sow into it, you're not be sowing into a facility. You'll be sowing into people. And when you give, I hope you remember that you're not giving toward man. You're giving to the Lord or else this whole first fruits offering doesn't make any sense. When you give it, you're giving to the Lord via this building fund. Now, you don't if you want to give your first fruits offering somewhere else. Go ahead. I ain't mad at you. But I'm giving you an occasion right now to do it for this building fund. If you really believe and you've been blessed and thankful for the ministry. If you're listening right now by podcasts and you're one of the people that have been listening to all my sermons. Every single week, you've been blessed by the dating protocol, set you free from all these bad patterns that you've been living with. And your hopes of a, of a healthy marriage are brighter now. I challenge you, if you've been blessed, if you're thankful, maybe you want to participate in this occasion for Thanksgiving. And in this occasion, to give a first fruits offering onto the Lord through this building fund. So I want to ask everybody, close your eyes at all of our campuses. I want you to close your eyes right now.